Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? A um, couple things I want to get out of the way. Yes, I'm wearing a purple shirt in honor of LSU beating Mississippi State yesterday, last night. This happens pretty regularly, apparently, but anyway. Between my Bulldogs and Jerry Jones are trying to hate me, make me hate the fact that I love football. So, anybody else in here? But we always have the Rangers. <laughs> um, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, I do want to tell you how much I appreciate all of your kind words and notes and, and your, you know, your generous thoughts for us uh, last week as we celebrated 20 years of being here. And uh, what a generous gift, and we can't thank you enough. And um, this, this church has been a joy to us and is um, family to us, and uh, we just want to let you know how much we appreciate that. And uh, my staff will tell you that I'm, I'm always a what's next guy, not a what was last guy, and I am really looking forward to um, what the years ahead will bring, and I really believe that um, our best years as a church are ahead of us, and uh, I'm excited to be here and to be a part of that. And uh, we have a great staff, great church, and I look forward to seeing what God's going to uh, do with us in the future. So thank you, and um, uh, we we appreciate all that you've done for us. Also, um, this purple shirt today is also in honor of Wyatt Birdwell. He's a kicker at Tarleton, and he scored 11 points last night as they won. So that one's awesome, yeah. That one we can all celebrate, and uh, we're, we're, we're honoring Wyatt today. So... Um, <laughs> Today we're talking about purity, sexual purity. And, you know, that's one of those things you go, oh yeah, well that's for the teenagers and the singles. It's not, it's for all of us. And as a matter of fact, it's such an important thing that there are several times in Scripture where that topic is specifically addressed. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're in our series called Stone Faced, and it's, it's really about making decisions before you make decisions having already decided what you're going to do and who you're going to be. And decisions determine direction. So the decisions that we make are going to determine uh, who we are and what happens to us and how our relationships uh, go from this point on. And so we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. And if you would please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the, one of the things I want to make clear up front is that this is not about condemning things or mistakes that you might have made. We've all made mistakes. As a matter of fact, that once you are in Christ, there is therefore, it tells us in 8, Romans 8, 1 and 2, so now there is no condemnation 
for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You know, in spiritual life, in the life that God calls us to, there are some things that are the exact opposite. In following Christ, living in boundaries and inside the commandments that God has given us about a certain thing gives freedom. And the removal of those commandments brings slavery. And in no area is that more obvious than in the area of sexual purity and in avoiding sexual sin. You know, we have a, a culture that is trying to strip down all barriers and all of God's commandments as far as how sex is to be used. And you would think, and what they seek is freedom, but the truth is that sex is a powerful and a good gift that is given by God to men, but it is so powerful that God has given us guidelines about how to use that gift, where that gift can be operated. You know, there are, every day we go out to um, uh, get in a car, most of us, you know, and we drive somewhere, and we're, we're driving down the road in machines that may weigh a couple thousand pounds and have the power to do great damage, not only to us, but to the people that are around us. And if we were to go out, the freedom to be able to move around and to drive comes from the fact that we have laws and we have guidelines and there are lines to stay within. And if we were to just turn all that off and say, hey, you know what? Forget all this. We're not letting the government tell us where we got to stop and which side we got to drive on. We're going to do whatever we want. Would there be more freedom or would there be less freedom? There would be less because it would be chaos. And there would be people getting hurt and injured everywhere that we look. And that's the way it is when God gives commands about sexual sin. He is doing that to give us freedom and to protect our freedoms and to protect us. And so many times we think, well, I don't want this rule. I don't want this law. But it's that very law that gives us the freedom that we look for. And so one of the ways we see that is that here's the thing. When you have something that matters, that is important, what do you do? You protect it. I mean, nobody goes out, goes to their home and goes, hey, we're leaving the house. It's all going to be unlocked. There's all kinds of valuable stuff in there. See you guys later. We'll be back in a week. I mean, who would do that? You don't do that. When you leave the house, you lock your doors. You may even have a light that comes on so people think there's somebody there. Maybe you have an alarm system or a dog or you have people come by and check on it. Why? Because those things matter to you. And so you protect the things that matter. And here's the thing. Sometimes we, we, start, we spend more time protecting our secrets than we do the things that we say really matter. And so I want us to talk today about protecting those things that matter. And one of the, the things about sinning sexually is this. There are consequences that are unlike other sins. It says that in the scripture. Did you know that? It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. 
Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So right there you see that sinning sexually is a sin against your own body, and it's a sin against God. God redeemed your temple when Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins. When you begin a relationship with him, God redeems that. It's his now. It's where he lives. He lives inside of you. And so one of the calls we have is, hey, treat that with care. Protect that. And the gift of sex, God created sex for procreation and for pleasure. And now I know there were times in the past where people said, well, you know, it's just for, um, you know, for creating a new line. It's not supposed to be fun, whatever. But those people never read the Song of Solomon. That whole book is a celebration about the pleasure of a man and a woman in sex. And if you're like, well, I thought that was about, you know, fruit and trees and stuff. Hey, just go back and read it and pay attention. And you will see it is a book that is written about sex and the celebration of sex. So God gave it to us for pleasure. And he gave it to us also for procreation. But here's the thing. His commandments regarding sex are not to keep us from the joy of it or the pleasure of it, but to protect it because it is a powerful thing. You know, there's nothing else in the scripture. The Bible tells us that for this reason, talking about a man and woman being married, a man shall leave his husband and wife and shall cleave to, excuse me, shall leave his husband, his mother. I need a drink of Mountain Dew. Hang on. (laughs) Stinking bulldogs, Mississippi State. Gosh, (laughs) probably wasn't their fault, but anyway. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. And you know what it says when they cleave? The two shall become one flesh. You see, that's not simply a physical thing. There's a supernatural element that is a part of that, that God's given us as a gift. That sex is one of the ways that we become one with our husband or with our wife. And you know what? They're supposed to become one flesh. Not two fleshes, three fleshes, four, two. And we're supposed to protect that. You protect it. That's why it's so important that teenagers understand that the rules God has given us are not to keep you from joy, it's to protect your joy. It's to protect your future relationship. It's not meant to keep you from enjoying life. It's meant to protect your enjoyment of life. Song of Solomon, this is for teenagers, says, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. Be careful about what you let your children or your teenagers become involved in that's too early for them, that they're not prepared for. You know, through the years, I've come across all kinds of situations. I've come across parents that have told me, well, you know, I know they're going to have sex. I'd rather they just do it in my house. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So, you know, what if you you found out that your child's, you know, going to be a murderer? Would you rather them murder at home, not on the road? I mean, why would, you, why would you let them 
do something that you know is going to bring them harm. It's because, you know what, we've been inundated by our culture. And we've allowed the, the things of the world, we've, we've just, oh, well, you know what, there's no way to stop it. There's no way to, we can't defeat that sin, so why not just let people go on? Because did you hear it? The first verses that I read to you, for God bought you with a high price. You must honor God with your body. And also in the very first one, it says, therefore, wait a minute, that's not the right one either, sorry. Romans 8, where it talks about no condemnation. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Let me tell you something. When you tell your kids, hey, you know what? I know you're not going to be able to resist temptation, so why don't you just do it? You know, it's fine. What you're telling them is that, that Jesus doesn't have the power to free them from sin. And you're telling them, hey, you're going to sin anyway. I mean, maybe we'll go about, hey, it's fine to sin, just sin in moderation. Sin, sin. There's no such thing as sinning in moderation. Be careful about what you allow your children to do. We need to protect our children. And one of the things that my job as a parent is to put guidelines that I don't allow them, I try not to allow them to make decisions that I'm not willing to, for them to live with the consequences. Now, sometimes, you know what, they come up, hey, I want to buy all this candy. Hey, it's your money, you do what you want to, but I'd suggest you save it. You might want something more tomorrow. And you know what? Sometimes I'll let them buy something that's junk. And then the next day they're like, hey, I want to buy this. Sorry, you spent your money. That's a consequence I'm willing for them to live with. But there are consequences I'm not willing for them to live with at this age. And so I, I don't let them, as much as I can, make that decision. Now, they've got to make their own decisions at some point. There's no doubt. And that can be hard for parents to abide by, but all we can do is teach them, show them guidelines, and show them consequences, and there are consequences. Now, another part of that protection, that, that part talks about don't awaken love until the time is right, be careful with children, be careful single adults. You know, one of the things, I'll tell single adults, they come and, you know, they're 25 years old, and they're on in life, and, you know, hey, we're, we're, we've decided God wants us to get married, when should we do it? As soon as possible. As soon as possible. Don't give yourself this long period of time where you can fall to temptation. If the time's right, hey, go. Get married. Move on with life. Now, if they're 18, I, I get it. Maybe, hey, you know, I want you to be here or whatever. But if they're moved on in life and they're both on their own and they're both living life, there's no reason. My wife, You know what my wife and I is... We started dating, and within two, three weeks, I had proposed to her. And then the first available date, which was like four months later, we were married. And it felt like four honking ever. <laughs> I was 25, 26, and my wife was, I'm going to say 19, because I'm, I'm a good husband. <laughs> she was a little older than that. She was about the same age I was. There wasn't no point waiting around. So when the time's right, go ahead. Don't, don't draw things out. But here's the other thing. When it's not the right time, be careful about acting like it's the right time. You understand? Now, when it comes to married couples, this part's for you. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. 
Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Your wife is a gift. Your husband is a gift. Your love should be only between the two of you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. That's the Bible, people. It's okay. It's the Bible. Hey, the Bible is very open about some of these things. We're the ones who are like, hey, there, there are things in there that make you uncomfortable. But the Bible tells us, hey, this is a great gift from God. It's a wonderful gift. But here's the thing. We should protect the relationship between a husband and wife. That should be something you want to build barriers around to protect it, to preserve it, to help it to grow. It's like a beautiful garden that you want to flourish. And so you put a fence around it so that the predators and whoever else can't get to it and destroy it. You have to protect it. <clears throat> that's the intention that God gave us when he gave sex. That's where it's to be. That gift is to be utilized. And there are guidelines for it. And listen, if you're not going to protect the things that are most important to you, then be prepared. Here's the other part of it. There's no condemnation if you're a believer. All of us have made mistakes. There's no condemnation. You're not condemned. You're not, you know, you've been forgiven of that sin if you're in Jesus. But here's something I want you to understand. There are still consequences to that sin. Galatians 6, 7, 7 through 9. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You will reap what you sow. And here's the thing. Every act of immorality, every act of impurity is sowing a seed. Now, one of the things, there's two things I want to tell you. So I've heard, there used to be people would say, well, you know, you need to be sexually pure until you're married. No, you need to be sexually pure until you die. The marriage bed's undefiled. That is pure. It is pure between a husband and a wife. That's sexual purity. But here's the thing. We need to protect that. If you're not married, you need to protect yourself. You need to preserve yourself for the one that God may have you marry down the road. And you need to preserve your relationship with God. And your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Him. So here's the thing. You're going to harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, listen, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. It doesn't mean you can't be forgiven for it. You can. But there's still going to be a consequence. You're going to reap pain, you're going to reap sorrow, and you're going to reap difficulty. Those are the things you're going to reap. Okay? And so you might think, well, you know, I mean, hey, I've already gone this far. What's the difference? Let's just go on. Wherever you're at, whatever's happened in the past, Stop now, because the, the more you continue in it, the more you are sowing. And so the greater the harvest of death and decay is going to be from your actions. You know, I get it. It's hard once you've started. I mean, everybody in here has probably been on a diet, most of us. And I, hey, there's times somebody, I thought, man, I'm just going to have one Oreo, one double stuff. That's it. And then next thing you know, I got, you know, <laughs> I'm in a sugar coma. 
Because I'm thinking, hey, I ain't one of them, why not? Well, but here's the deal. There, there's, a, there's a growing cost. The cost keeps getting bigger. The more you sow, the more you're going to reap. So look, you can't do anything about what you've sown in the past, but you can do something about what you're going to sow today and what you're going to sow in the future. Be stone-faced and determine, you know what, I, I don't care what kind of life you've lived in the past, God forgives and God will, will give you an opportunity in the future, but you've got to choose today to live in purity. And I'm not just talking about physical actions. I'm talking about what you put in front of your eyes, what you look at, what you allow into your heart. Make a decision. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. And you know what? Some of you, I know you've been waiting a long time. You're like 16. You're like, how much longer I got to wait? I get it. It feels like a long time when you're 16 or you're 26 or you're 36 or whatever. So how, what do you do? So let's not get tired of doing what's good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You see, that's the thing when it comes to sexual purity. You, you, you commit to that, and you stay the course, and there's a harvest of blessing waiting for you. You choose to go down another path, and there's a harvest of death and decay. So choose harvest of blessing. You know, one of the things that I, I've noticed through the years is I've counseled with a lot of people that are, that are in a bad relationship. You know, they're, they're, they're a little older or whatever. They're living with somebody. Well, you know, I just can't find anybody that really wants to follow Jesus. Well, you're not going to find them. When you're attached to somebody that you know is not the right one, you're not going to find them. Because the kind of person that you want to find is not going to be interested in you in your current situation. You want to find somebody that, that wants to love you for who you are, that wants to serve God together, that wants to do right by you and do the right things, you, you got to be doing those things to find that person. You know, the biggest thing about People worry about, well, how am I, you know, I going to know when it's right? How am I going to meet them? I can't find anybody. The biggest key is to keep being the right person. And the more you become the right person, that, God will bring that person to you. You don't have to worry about finding them. God knows where you are, and he'll bring them to you. But if you continue to, to reap or to sow sexual impurity, and you continue to sow disobedience, don't expect that God's going to bring that person that you ultimately want. Be the person, be the kind of person that the person you want to date and to marry would want to date and marry. It's that simple. So we have to keep reap, keep sowing, and at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing. We don't give up. Some of you are in a marriage and you're like, well, you know, it's just not going good. Hey, keep doing good. Keep protecting your heart, your mind, your eyes. Keep protecting and living in, in sexual purity. It doesn't say that right away the blessing comes. Well, you know, they're not going to do this. Sometimes you get in that situation where, well, you, both of you made a bad choice. Well, they're not going to do this. Why do I? Why, why should they do it? 
do what gives you a right conscience before God. And let, leave the results up to Him. You know, so many times, I, I bet everybody in this story that's been married for more than, I don't know, two weeks could give this testimony. Is that you start out this argument over nothing, and after a while you're both, you just too, both of you are too stubborn to stop. And if one of you just stop, it'd be over. And the other one go, you know what, you're right, it's dumb, let's move on. But you just can't. Somebody has to make the decision to stop and to do the right thing. Be the one. I mean, don't do like me and like, all right, you be the one. I, I'm, I'm right. You need to do that. It's hard. Choose to, be the, choose to do the right thing. Three ways to guard your sexual purity, whether you're a teenager, whether you're single, or whether you're married. Number one is guard your eyes. Be careful what you look at. Job said this. He said in Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. Now that principle goes both ways. It was a man that said that, but the principle's both ways. Be careful what you look at. You know, now some of you, it may be their physical appearance. For somebody else, it may be the way, oh, well, they just seem perfect. They're just, you know, they're so in touch with their feelings, or they do this, or... Or, you know, they, they do something. My wife doesn't do that. My husband doesn't do that. But they, you know who does perfect, everything perfect? People on the interwebs. They're perfect, ain't they? I mean, you know, when you're in control of when the pictures are taken, you only take a picture when you look your best. And so that's the only view you get of them. And then they get about, oh, man, I, you know, just such a bust, blah, 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 blah. They might be at that very moment at home screaming, their lungs out at somebody over nothing. But you can't see that because they ain't posting that. So don't get fooled by this junk on the interwebs. All right? Look. Choose to love God first. And then if you're married, love your spouse. And choose to look at the good in them. Matthew 5, 27 through 29. You know, if you think, well, you know what? What? What big difference is it about looking? I mean, you know, I remember, I remember hearing growing up from old men sometimes, well, just because you made your purpose don't mean you can't do a little window shopping. And so everybody, like, what harm is it to look? So what? Big deal. Well, for one thing, the ones that came up with that statement didn't have access to the kind of looking that we carry around in our hands all the time. But just so you'll know how serious God sees it, here's what it says. In Matthew 5, 27 through 29, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And in case you're thinking that Jesus thinks it's not a big deal, here's what he says next. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, I don't know about you, but my eyes are fairly important to me. Even though they ain't what they used to be. I got contacts a couple of weeks ago, and I had no idea how much my natural instinct is to stop myself from jabbing something on my eyeball until I tried doing that. <laughs> our, everything in us physically is to protect our eyes. And yet spiritually, we let anything in front of us. You know, you can't help 
what you see all the time, but you can help what you look at. Choose not to look. Make a conscious decision. You know what? I'm going to look away. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look somewhere different. I'm not going to go to this place where I know I'm going to be tempted to look in such a way that I, I know is going to cause me to sin in my heart. Somebody comes up to me with work and they got something on their phone they want to show me and it's not appropriate. I'm just going to say, hey, man, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to live respecting my, my God if you're single. If you're, if you're married, I'm trying to respect my God and my wife or my husband. And you know what? If you're single, you can also say, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to show respect for my God and whoever it is that I'm going to marry someday. Tell them the truth. And refuse to watch it. Here's something you should do. I'm just telling you this is my advice to you. Have somebody else set the restrictions on your phone. Some of you are like, what? My wife has the restrictions set on my phone. Now, it took a little time to work it out because I'm like, I'm just trying to find the scores. Sometimes it blocks stuff, and she'd have to go in there and enter it and say, say okay, it's all right to look at that, that website or whatever. But she, let somebody else set the filters on your phone. If it's worth protecting, it's worth protecting. And here's the thing. You, you know that adultery has a consequence in that relationship. Well, they know about it or not. Don't you think lusting and committing adultery in your heart has a consequence? It does. There's a harvest. When you sow adultery with your mind, in your heart, with your eyes, you're going to reap a harvest of decay. You know what it's going to do? It's going to kill just a little bit. It happens a little bit at a time. It's going to kill your desire for your spouse. It's going to kill your love for them. It's going to cause you to be distant. You know, there's a study that, that men who engage in pornography, particularly um, a regular use of pornography, can get to the point where they're impotent with their own spouse. That's a harvest of decay and death. Protect your marriage. Protect the love that you have with your spouse. You know how you do that? By having eyes only for them. Well, you know, I mean, my, my wife, she's different than when we first got married. Newsflash, so are you. Well, my husband used to bring me... Hey, newsflash, you've changed too. But you know what? I can guarantee you, if the only person you look at is your, is your spouse, your desire will return and it'll grow. That's the way it's intended to be. Here's how we do it. We got to take, take purity seriously. God called us to it. It's for our protection. It's for the protection of the people that we love. It's for the protection of the relationship that should be the most important to us. Our relationship with Him and then our relationship to our spouse whether we've met Him or not. Take it seriously. How do you do it? Guard your mind. Number one, 1 Thessalonians 5.22 
Stay away from every kind of evil. Get away from things that cause you to, fa to fail in that area. Be careful about what you watch. Be careful about what you allow your eyes to see. So how do you do that? Well, man, it's hard not to watch some. I get it. Philippians 4, 8, 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Now that comes any time a, th a thought comes into your mind that is not godly. But let me tell you something else. Instead of dwelling on the one or two things that you don't care for the way your spouse does them, let your mind dwell on the things that they do well that you love about them. You know, sometimes we get to that point where we, all we see is the negatives. And that's because that's the choice we've made. Choose to focus on things that you love about them. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. You want to know what the, the greatest gift of God is in a sexual relationship between a husband and a wife? It is guilt-free and there's peace. Now, can you both work on it to make it better? Sure, you should be. But there's peace. You want to know why? Because there's a clear conscience. Because the marriage bed is undefiled. There's no guilt associated with it. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit. You're looking at things you're not supposed to, you're going to lie about it. Period. Hypocrisy. You say you love your spouse, but yet you're communicating with an old boyfriend through messenger or whatever. That's hypocrisy. Jealousy. You know what? When you're doing something you're not supposed to be, you get jealous of them. All unkind speech. You start talking to them in ways you never dreamed you would. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Get in the Word of God. You know what? If you need to, couples, here's a challenge to you. Every night, read a chapter of Song of Solomon before you go to bed. Thank me later. You're welcome. If you're a teenager, if you're single, an adult, pray. Be in the Word of God. Hey, what is the kind of godly man or the godly woman that, that I want to be a part of my life? And then pray for him. Do you know I'd prayed for my wife long before I met her and she'd prayed for me? Long before I knew her name. I prayed for her and she prayed for me. Pray for them. The last thing, and this is something I want you to get here, and I'm going to tell you how in just a minute. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Guard your heart above all else. You know, for a man, oftentimes, and I know this can go either way, because everybody's different. But for a man, a lot of times, it's, it's what we see or what we imagine or whatever that comes the wedge between us and our spouse. For women, sometimes it's an emotional attachment. 
be careful about having any kind of emotional attachment to a male that is not your family, that is not your spouse or your wife. Be careful about sharing things that, that are negative about your spouse to someone else of the, of the opposite sex. That can create emotional attachments. And you know what? You can even, it, it, just by looking, become attached to those images of the perfect people you see on the interwebs that don't really exist. Photoshop, brushed up, everything else. Be careful about it. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out. You know, you, you got, that means plan. That means pre-decide. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Write that verse down and memorize it. Oh, I, I can't do memorization. I just can't do it. Everybody in here has got like 30 different passwords memorized. You got all... You got all kinds of things memorized. Things in business. You can memorize the scripture. Here's how you do it. Just write it on a sheet of paper. Put it in your phone. Copy it somewhere. And here's the thing. Whenever this is the most dangerous time for you, what do you think about when you ain't got nothing else to think about that you got to think about right then? That's when you're most susceptible to not guarding your mind and your heart and letting things drift. Keep it with you. And whenever that time comes up, read that verse. And work on memorizing it. And you'll be amazed at how much that one verse, or actually there's four of them, 23 to 45 to 6, whatever. You'll be amazed at how much those verses will help you defeat temptation in a week. Because that's what the Word of God does. You remember how Satan attempted Jesus? Do you know how he defeated the temptation? By quoting Scripture. I would... I, th I think that what Jesus used as a tool to defeat temptation, I don't know. I'm just, just shot in the dark here. It might help us. But Jesus didn't go, hold on. Let me look it up on my portable Torah. He knew it. He had it memorized. Y'all look up Torah on the way home if you don't know what that is. He had it memorized. Mem I, I want you to memorize the scripture. Proverbs 4. That I took it down. Proverbs, memorize this part. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. It's a recipe for defeating temptation. Guard your heart. Choose to be stone-faced towards sexual impurity. And do not get into the whole, well, you know what, everybody's going to, Blah, blah, blah. That's just the way I am. We use that way too often as an excuse to sin where there's no excuse. If that's the way you are, then change the way you are. Jesus gave you the freedom to do that because he defeated the power of sin and death that was over your life. If you say, well, that's just the way I am, you're, you're voluntarily, voluntarily enslaving yourself to your own sin nature. But you've been set free from that. Choose to guard your mind. Choose to guard your eyes. Choose to guard your heart. Choose to protect what matters.
and don't accept substitutes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. This all begins with a relationship with Jesus. That's where the power to defeat sin comes from. That's where forgiveness of sin comes from. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to begin one today. And it, it is simple. Now, it wasn't easy because Jesus had to die on a cross and defeat death so that we could be saved and set free and forgiven. But here's our part. We get the simple part. Is number one, you've got to admit that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and ask forgiveness of your sins. Number two, you've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died on a cross for your sins, that He rose on the third day according to Scripture. And number three, you've got to confess Jesus as Lord. And what that means is when you come to follow Him and begin a relationship with Him, you can't come saying, hey, I, I want to be saved, but I want to keep doing whatever I want to do. That's not how it works. Now, we all fail. But when you come to Jesus, you come with everything. you got to turn away from your sin and your way of living and turn to Him and confess Him as your Savior and your Lord. And if today you would like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you have peace with God through Jesus, and that you'll be with Him forever in heaven. I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray it. You can repeat it after me. You can pray it in, just repeat the words, or you can pray it in your own words. God will hear you. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray in your heart. But pray it with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Turn from my sins and turn to you. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Now, without anybody looking around, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see. If you prayed that prayer, you look up at me right now. Okay? All right. Okay. All right. I see you. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important to tell someone, and we would love to hear from you. After the service, there'll be someone here at the front. If you'd like to talk to someone today about your decision, we'd love to answer any questions. We would love to talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. Or if you'd rather, there's a number on the screen. There's a code there, a QR code. You can do either one. Text to that number, hey, I did it, or just decision. And we would love to get back with you and set up a time to meet and talk about your decision, what it means. We don't want anything from you. We're not going to ask you for anything. You're welcome to come back to this church, but even if you choose not to do that, it's okay. We would still love to talk to you and help you with your new decision and your new relationship with Jesus. So right now, I want to pray for you and ask God 
to help you as you begin a new walk with Him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that, God, a, a relationship with you means the forgiveness of sins. It means that we have a new life given to us by you. Father, I pray for those that made that decision today. Father, I thank you for their, their willingness to hear your word, their willingness to trust you. And Father, I thank you that their sins have been forgiven. Lord, help them to find the right church, whether it's here or somewhere else, so that they might grow in their walk with you. And Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.